Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety 2, the safe space created for black women by black women to strip away the taboo of talking about mental health. You'll hear from mental health professionals and advocates as well as black women sharing their experiences as we break down the complexities, explore ways to heal and support each other. My name is Ashley, I'm your host. Whether you're a seasoned regular or this is your first time tuning in, thank you so much for your support. Now let's get into today's episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety 2. I'm your host, Ashley, and I'm really excited to have you um, tune into this episode. We have one of our favorite people back on the podcast. If I had a little button that had the applause, I would be playing it right now. Um, We have Dr. Son Stevens back on the podcast. Um, Dr. Stevens is our kind of like in-house licensed psychologist go-to for all things uh, mental health, particularly like from a mental health professional. So we're excited to have her back. Dr. Stevens, welcome back to the show. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for having me back. Thank you. Yes. See you again. Yes, you too. You too. And um, yeah, just it is the beginning of December right now. So we're in the middle of the holidays. And Dr. Stevens, like, how's your holiday been going? It's been relatively quiet and slow so far. So no complaints. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Pretty slow. I got to see my mom for a little bit. So that was fun. Um, sad that she had to go home. <laughs> I couldn't go with her, but um, yeah. yeah, it was nice to hang out with family for a little bit and get a break from like normal life. It's <laughs> always important. Yes, definitely. And Dr. Steven, so for anybody that doesn't know you, can you give a little bit of background uh, about kind of who you are and like the amazing things that you're doing? So I'm a licensed psychologist. I'm in the state of Florida. I've been practicing for almost 12, 13, 14, somewhere around there years. Um, I'm also board certified in clinical psychology. I specialize in working with children, adolescents, and families. Um, but more over the past like five or so years, I've been working more so with adults, um, as well as with the older population with like end of life issues in terms of adult, dealing with adjustment challenges um, and just depression, anxiety, the, the gamut of psychiatric problems. Um, also doing a little bit of dabbling or a lot of dabbling in terms of like psych assessments. So I'm at forensic assessments and um, some social advocacy work in terms of uh, with young girls and with girls and young women, particularly in the areas of mental health, legal, as well as financial and educational advocacy. So pretty much that along with a couple other things, you know, is how I divide my time. Yeah. Dr. Stevens is doing amazing things every single day. So like, we're super grateful that you take the time out to, to hop on here and have a conversation. So, um, today we're going to talk about a few different things. Um, one of the things that we're going to talk about is boundaries. So setting boundaries. Um, this has kind of been, this kind of came up with a conversation with one of my friends the other day, um, talking about like the importance of setting boundaries, but also, like when is the right time and who do you set boundaries with your family, your friends, especially with the holidays. I know for some people setting boundaries um, can really change your experience (laughs) with your family, Um, Mm -hmm. especially during the holidays when you're kind of like forced in a room. I mean, I was just with my mom and it was all gravy. It's all great. But I know for some people it's like extended family, family from over here, family driving in. Um, So I want to talk a little bit about boundaries, why they're important in, in, yeah, kind of get your perspective. So like Dr. Steve was like, how would you describe what a boundary is? 
So, you know, and I think this is a very apt conversation to have, you know, certainly during this time of year, you know, especially when we are surrounded by family and friends, certainly core co-workers and where those lines of uh, professional and personal starts to get a bit blurry. So I think this is a very, this is a very apt conversation um, or discussion to have. So I applaud you all, applaud you for introducing that. So with that preface made, you know, boundaries, you know, is this, um, and, and I guess we could think about it in a number of different ways, but it's generally um, the, so I guess it could be more so like in terms of um, a professional relationship or personal relationship that we have. And it's the standards that we set in terms of what we are willing to allow this person to say in terms of how they operate toward us in terms of um, non-verbally and certainly verbally. And so, in terms of how they operate us, you know, in these different mediums is how we could think about boundaries. Yeah. So kind of like if you have a, let's just say a family member that, um, I know for people around, for women, particularly around my age, the, if you don't already have kids or if you're not married or you haven't hit any of these like socially expected markers when you're in your early thirties, a lot of those questions can come up around this time of year. And it's probably somebody with like an auntie or an uncle or a whole lot of family members that always like to dig in, pry. And sometimes those questions can be like annoying for one <laughs> and also invasive. And for some people, they can definitely open up some, some wounds that maybe they don't want to expose in front of the whole family in front of the turkey at Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, the time. Yeah. So when we talk about boundaries, um, like I said, I know setting boundaries um, with family is really important. And um, can we talk a little bit about like setting boundaries with like coworkers and people you work with or like acquaintances? So, and, and I think, you know, certainly with the pandemic, setting boundaries has been a little bit easier, you know, in the sense yeah. of the fact that a lot of us for those of us with the privilege, you know, being able to work from home, like we have been able to conduct a lot of our private lives very much separately, you know, from certainly our, our um, work lives. But for those of us who haven't necessarily had that privilege, you know, like this is an ongoing challenge for us, you know, and I think, you know, regardless of for some of us, the settings in which we work, that still is um, an important um, standard that we have to set up in terms of how much do we allow people in our professional settings to have insight into our personal lives, right? And so, you know, I think one of the important ways in which we go about establishing those boundaries is to, to think about it from the outset in terms of how much is it that we want people to know? How much is it that we want our coworkers to have insight into our personal lives? You know, so I think in terms of knowing that for yourself is one important place to start and then going about behaving certainly in ways that are consistent with that. So for example, you know, um, a lot of supervisors that I work with, and it's more so because of the nature of the work that we did, they never, never um, kept pictures of their children or families, you know, on their desk, you know, of course, because I, you know, a lot of times I did work in forensic settings, you know, or settings with, um, with the um, chronically mentally ill, and, but more so in the forensic settings. And so a lot of my supervisors and my coworkers, that was a very strict boundary that they practice. They also, like anytime that um, coworkers would ask them about family, they would almost give them, well, not almost, but they would just truly give them like a blank stare. Right. 
very physical look in terms of <laughs> you must have me, you know, confused and certainly so that you know is a standard that they established from the outset. And they practice that consistently wherever they, you know, went, certainly in different professional settings. You know, certainly for the end, I think in other types of, of settings or settings where um, the jeopardy of certainly our personal lives is not certainly as um, maybe has such high stakes, you know, I think there's also the expectation, you know, I think which is sort of the double bind or sort of double sword in the sense that we are expected to engage, you know, personally. Because I think it certainly shows that you're a team player, shows that you have good social skills, it shows that you can mesh well, you know, with your team. So, you know, in terms of not exhibiting or not, you know, um, giving your coworkers some insight into your personal lives, I think it can certainly also um, have some negative implications, you know, toward your professional reputation, unfortunately. You know, and so, and, and again, I think, you know, that that goes with, you know, from the outset in terms of establishing how much do you want your coworkers or your supervisors, you know, to have insight into, you know, your professional life. Right. Right. For sure. Just setting those boundaries early on. And that, like that for me, I know looks a lot like setting boundaries of like turning off notifications and mm-hmm. setting boundaries as far as like when I'm available. And I know for me, like years ago, I would just respond whenever. So if it was, you know, like an email at 11 o'clock at night or like a late phone call or something like that, um, I just thought, well, I have to do this because if I don't, I'm not, you know, I'm not a good team player. But now I've kind of had a better understanding and also talking with other people that have been through similar things where I've come into different, you know, um, whether it be a different job or like different teams I've played for and, um, other people have been like, look, set these boundaries earlier or else you are going to regret it. <laughs> and if, and I think that has a lot to do with it too, is setting boundaries early on in the process. It, I think it's harder to set it once you haven't had boundaries, once you've kind of like let everybody run amok in your life. And like, now you're yeah. working on the weekends and now you're, you know, expected to write back at midnight because somebody sees that you're on Facebook. And so they're like, well, you're awake. So why don't you answer? And I think when you set them early and, um, like you said, create that, that specific divide, like that specific boundary between your personal life and how much you're willing to give in your professional life. It's, I think it's really good for your mental health. It very much is. And, and like you said, in terms of setting that up a little bit or setting that up early in a sense of, you know, so like once you have applied for the job and you secure the job in terms of, you know, certainly interviewing co with your potential co-workers to really get a sense of maybe, you know, if you're not necessarily comfortable asking them about whether that work-life home balance you know, I think there are ways in which you can ask questions to see if there is a actual expectation, you know, that you encroach into your, your home life, right? Yeah. And then asking very directly, you know, of your interview viewers in terms of like how much, you know, of my time after work am I expected to contribute, you know, yeah. in terms of how does that plan to being a team player? And I think that really does help to set your expectations yeah. and then also being able to communicate to, you know, your supervisors as well as coworkers in terms of what that looks like for you. Yeah. You have that privilege, you know? And I think, you know, so like goes back to doing a lot of this work early on. And like you said, in terms of establishing that expectation and you honoring that expectation. Yeah, definitely. And so we talked, I want to talk a little bit about like, obviously when you're, when you're in the coworker setting or the professional setting, um, you're able to kind of make a choice to set that boundary early. And, you know, there's people coming in and leaving, but when we go to your personal life, and setting boundaries with friends or with families, 
um, I think that gets a little bit trickier because you can't really set it at the beginning, like when you hop out the womb. <laughs> Only, right? We could just have boundaries set automatically. But um, a lot of times that can be difficult because you already have this style of whether it be communication or, you know, just so certain things have already been set because that's how they've been in your life. So whether you're setting the boundary at 13 or 30 or 50 or 60 or whenever it may be, um, I feel like there's going to be a little bit of friction there because mm-hmm. you're introducing something new that you obviously haven't done before and haven't. Um, yeah. Can we just talk a little bit about like how to navigate that and how to navigate like setting boundaries with your parents or with, you know, your best friend or things like that? You know, and so, and, and like you said, that those are much tougher relationships to establish boundaries with, right? Because they have a level of intimacy into your life that others don't, right? And on top of it, you know, if they've seen you at your worst, at your best, they've seen certainly the gamut. And, you know, and I think a lot of times, or more times than not, it starts from just really having that, that open and clear communication in terms of saying, okay, all right, you know, I've noticed that when I talk about X, Y, Z with you, this is what happens, you know, especially if the person who you've entrusted in and to tell them or disclose maybe personal information and maybe they've not handled that information well or they've treated you differently or, you, or um, you've noticed, you know, after that interaction, maybe you're depleted of energy, right? Like I think those are all um, important clues to certainly take note of. So, so I think in terms of establishing boundaries for those types of relationships can be really challenging because certainly these are the types of relationships where these individuals have had a great deal of insight into us at the highest of our peaks and lowest of our troughs. And so um, in terms of establishing boundaries with these individuals or with these family members and loved ones, it really does start from having open and clear communication. So for example, saying it's like, and more so using your experience, right? In terms of how you experience that person, you know? So I noticed that when I talk about X, Y, Z, you know, I feel X, Y, Z. And so, and then put it back on the individual that you're, you know, conversing with to say, you know, hey, can you give me some insight in terms of what might be going through, you know, your head or what you're experiencing? Because then this way it shows that this relationship is a two-way street, right? And the boundary in and of itself is a two-way street, right? Because it's not necessarily just me as the receiver interpreting things in an overly, overly negative way. The giver, right, or the um, initiator, they're also communicating something, whether it's, like you alluded to a little bit earlier, right, a perceived value more often than not, whether it's intentional or not. And if the person has, you know, great insight, they may be able to communicate that. Other times they may say, I'm just more so worried about your well-being, right? And we can't necessarily make people have more insight until they're ready, right? And so we can use that information and say, okay, let's say if the person doesn't have as much insight, we'll say, you know, I, you know, I can really appreciate that. But at the same time, you know, it makes me feel you know, less than or, you know, whatever that feeling is. And so, you know, I'm wondering in terms of how can we really move forward so that this is a conversation that, you know, doesn't necessarily have me, you know, feeling this way, right. you know, and so now granted, that's the kind of conversation you can have with people who are in a healthy place, right? I was just going to say, that sounds great, but both people have to be in like a mature place in life right. <laughs> to have that, um, that healthy back and forth. But of course, sometimes boundaries that are being set are with people that are not necessarily in the best place or don't communicate very well. Right. So that's what I like to, you know, that's why I like to implement the negotiated yes, right? So the negotiated yes is a half yes, but truly is a no, right? So I'm saying yes to your face 
but it's and it's almost passive aggressive without okay. being, <laughs> without being so unhealthy. You know, so for example, you know, like the prototypical example of the intrusive aunt who asks, you know, certainly the young when woman, you gonna get pregnant or yes, when you getting married, right? A childbearing, marrying age. What are you gonna do, X Y Z? Right? Yeah. Well, I really do appreciate certainly how you know, concerned you are about my well-being, you know, but right now we're really focused on, you know, my career trajectory, right? That's a negotiated yes. It's still very respectful. It's assertive. It's honest, right? Now, what happens? Uh, she continues to play the broken record. Well, what are you going to do? You didn't answer my question. Well, then, you know, you can do the negotiated yes again, right? So you can play the broken record against a broken record. Right. So I like, like that. Fighting will against will. Mm-hmm. And then I say, maybe after the second or third, I do the silence. Silence is very effective. And the silence and the cock the head to the right. I like that. I need a picture of this, right? <laughs> the silence plus the head cocked to the right means the conversation has just ended. <laughs> because I've given you a very clear answer. And it's, yeah. and it's more so an acceptance or rejection of that answer, right? So you can right. accept the answer or reject the answer. And so this is a negotiate, this is the, the further explication of the negotiated yes, right? I've right. given you an answer. You don't necessarily like the answer that I've given you. So you have to accept this answer that I'm giving you now. Because <laughs> I have no other answers for you. <laughs> there, there's nothing left for me to give. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and certainly, you know, and so, you know, I think those are the types of relationships that um, like where the negotiated yes can work really well with, right? But when you have people who are really aggressive, people who sometimes like to maybe punch below the belt, you know, a bit, mm-hmm. maybe really snark your nasty remarks, mm-hmm. the negotiated yes doesn't necessarily work so well because it reinforces this idea that it's okay to speak to me in this tone or use this language with me, right? And so that's more to work with to be really clear. So assertive, you can start off, you know, saying, hey, you know, I can appreciate your concern. Right now, I'm really focused on my career trajectory. They do it again, but it's snarky. Okay, all right, let's back up here. Because I've given you the impression that speaking to me in this tone is okay. Mm-hmm. So let me be clear in the sense that the way that you're speaking to me, the tone that you are using is completely inappropriate. And from this point forward, this is how I expect you to speak to me. Now, Mileage varies, depending on certainly yeah. the relationship. <laughs> but I think certainly a variation of that in terms of like, and, and I think here what I really want to emphasize is, is to identify some of the inappropriate behavior and not being willing to accept, you know, how that person treats you. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I love that. I think the negotiated yes is something that we should all use because whether it be like at home or um, you know, with coworkers or with that one auntie that just won't stop prying into your life. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think that's super important. And I love the, the use of silence, I think is underrated. And I think just in this moment, I'm realizing like, I never use silence. I feel like I kind of am always trying to make sure the other person feels really good and mm-hmm. make sure like they leave the conversation happy. I'm trying to check myself on being a, um, lifelong yes man to a lot of people. <laughs> I've, right. I've accepted that about myself and I'm trying to be conscious and fix it. But I think that um, sometimes when somebody is silent, it makes you think, it makes that other person have to sit and 
sit in that uncomfortable space <laughs> that you've just created for them that you've kind of like turned the uncomfortability back around on them and think like, why am I prying so much? Why do I care so much? And do I realize that I'm making this person uncomfortable, but I'm still going. So maybe I should also be silent. And so- <laughs> Listen, it's actually you have hit the nail on the head because with silence, like this is one of the most effective tools that we use psychotherapy in order to allow or to facilitate insight. Oh, so that's why psychologists don't say anything. That's why my therapist will just pause. Right. So in order to make the room breathe, so to speak. Okay. I got the secret now. The secret sauce. It it, it functions in many different ways, right? (laughs) But, you know, but also I think it goes back to, you know, certainly women being socialized to caretake others, right? So we have to always take care, check in and do X, Y, Z. But there is a lot of caretaking that happens during silence. Because again, you know, and I think, you know, especially during instances of when when we realize that our boundaries are being invalidated or or not being honored, certainly that creates a dissension or dissonance within us. And that, you know, very much in the same way that anger informs us. It's a very healthy emotion to tell us that someone's not treating us in ways that are consistent with how we see our idealized self. Mm -hmm. And so by being intuitive and certainly insightful around that, we can certainly use that in order to help us inform how do we negotiate and how do we interact with others. And one of the best ways to do that is to put the responsibility back on the individual who was a perpetrator of that boundary being violated. Right. Or facilitated. I don't necessarily want to make it, you know, 100%, you know, because certainly there's yeah. partly, partly responsibility. So we just basically turn, turning the tables around back to them. Exactly. Yeah. With that silence. Mm-hmm. I like that silence as kind of like a safeguard. Very much so. Yeah. I love it. And so the other boundary that I want to talk about is boundaries, um, like within relationships. Um, and I'm not sure if maybe just from people that you have worked with, like what, I know that kind of ranges and what a healthy boundary within relationships looks like. I think for women, especially women that are in like a heterosexual, like male you know, man, woman relationship, society does put that, I feel like society puts a bit of pressure on us to um, always be, what is the word, um, at that person's demand, like at their beck and call. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily something that I adhere to in my relationship. Like, I think we're very much like at each other's, you know, we respect each other. And then we also always want to help each other. Like it's never one-sided. Um, but I feel like sometimes society puts it out there that the woman should always kind of like be in the background and take care of everything. Like you said, caretaking. Um, but how do you, in this day and age as a woman, um, in any relationship, whether it be, you know, with whoever, um, how, like what is setting boundaries within a relationship look like? You know, and and I I think a lot of it comes from the pre-work, um, and so this is a pre- pre-work that's not afforded to everybody, you know, so, and of course, you know, me and my developmental <laughs> perspective, but, you know, I think it really does start at birth in terms of how, how fathers and mothers treat their children, you know, so certainly in terms of allowing children to own their feelings without necessarily having to be responsible for other people's right. feelings and for someone to caretaking others, right? I think it's, it starts that early, you know, and certainly you know, throughout the lifespan in terms of like relationships with friends and, you know, with boyfriends or girlfriends, or you know, regardless of certainly the um, orientation, but, you, you know, certainly being able to have independence in your relationship 
regardless of whether it's romantic or platonic or familial or what. From, you know, so certainly from a developmental standpoint, I think that's essential. But many of us don't have that privilege, right? So for those of us who can, I do think it's important for us to spend some time alone, right? In order to be able to um, know what it is that we like, what it is that we don't like, what it is that we tolerate, what it is that we don't tolerate. You know, it's just like a, like that process of trial and error, you know? And as much as I want to say, well, this is what you need to do. A lot of it happens in the quietude. You know, it goes back to that reinforcement of silence in terms of being still and allowing yourself to really understand what is it that makes me tick? Mm. You know, and so like one of the most important pieces of learning doesn't come through repetition. It comes through sleep. That's an opportunity for us to consolidate what we've learned throughout the day. So right. if you've ever been in school, well, not ever been in school, but you know, someone being in school, sitting for big tests, maybe, you know, at that night, you know, if you finish studying, like I don't quite get it and you go to bed, maybe get a good nice rest, you wake up that morning and things just start to click. Right. You feel refreshed. Exactly. And it's a consolidation. It's the synapses coming together. And it's the same idea in terms of having periods where there's not a lot of chaos or just interaction happening. Right. Because this is an opportunity for not only connections to be made, but for connections to be strengthened. Right. So when it comes to relationships, what you're saying is that time alone, whether it be so kind of even before the relationship even happens, understanding and getting to know yourself and getting to know the boundaries that you want before you even step into anything with anybody else. Right. Or even in between relationships. Right. You know, and, you know, so when I say relationships, you know, certainly I think, you know, certainly you can still have, you know, casual sexual relationships, but, you know, certainly before you are really ready to commit yourself emotionally to someone, you don't know what those boundaries are, but even in casual sexual relationships, knowing what those boundaries what the are. Boundary. You know? Yeah. yeah. And so, and I think it still certainly applies in, in either case, you know, now, but again, that's a luxury that's afforded to some people, right? right. That not a lot of people, you know, tend to have. And so I think, you know, certainly, so let's say if you're in the midst of a relationship or you're just not ready to do that work, right? Of being alone and figuring that out. Well, again, I think that's where our internal mechanisms of emotions really help to guide us to tell us whether or not a boundary is being violated. Right. So anger, sadness, right? These are all very healthy emotions to signify that something in the idealized self and what's happening in reality is not syncing up. Mm. Mm. And so when we're more aware of what's happening happening internally, that is a clue for us to say, okay, wait, something's happening in this environment. And I need to figure it out. So become we become Inspector Gadget, trying to figure out what's happening here. Right. What's different? You know, how can I create, you know, some understanding in terms of what's causing this here? And once you start to understand that, what is it that I can do to change that? Am I willing right. to change that? Is it important for me to change it? Will change it actually result in, you know. Yeah, me feeling better about the situation. Right. Yeah. You know, so I think, you know, just at the base in terms of just using our internal mechanisms. Yeah. To answer your question really plainly. Yeah. If you, you're not able to do some of that pre-work. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So for anybody out there, if you haven't thought about setting your boundaries or if you've tried to set boundaries, like don't stop, continue to, to try to understand what boundaries you need. And that can also always be changing. Like I know for me, things happen in life and new, I realize I need to set new boundaries or maybe I can take some away because of certain things that have happened, or maybe I've worked things out with somebody and you know, that boundary may change a little bit, but I think that it's really important, like for our mental health, for our physical health at some, sometimes like 
to have that space to honor ourselves in, you know, just don't be afraid to, to set that boundary, whatever it may be. And if you need somebody, um, to help you set those boundaries, <laughs> that's okay too. And if yes. you can use silence, you can use the negotiated yes. yes. Um, but there are lots of different tools that you can use when setting boundaries. And it's okay if it's okay if that person is not in that same space that you are, because a lot of times that may be why the boundaries are being set, because the person is not quite in the same headspace that you're in. And so yeah, I think I think it's okay. It's nothing to feel guilty about. I think I started feeling feeling guilty about yeah. boundaries when I started setting them because I never set boundaries with these particular people before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that relationships eventually thrive, even if it, even if there's a bit of friction. Uh, eventually, they'll thrive, and eventually, you'll feel a lot better when you're interacting with that person or in those situations. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. much so. And I think you know certainly you know we can also partner with the other individual to make them accountable for ensuring that we adhere to our boundaries as well. Yes. You know, so just partnering up with them. Definitely. I'm not saying that it always works, but, you know, <laughs> losing a partner. And again, yeah. you know, it takes some of the responsibility off of us, you know, to always and certainly make sure that we adhere those boundaries. So, yeah, yeah, we have somebody who's is part of our support network. Yes, definitely, definitely. All right, Dr. Steven. So I, there are so many gems dropped in this episode. Um, I hope everybody listening got a little something today. And um, I hope that, um, yeah, start setting those boundaries. There's no time like the present. So just start today. Um, But thank you, Dr. Stevens, for joining us for another episode. Um, I always appreciate you and love, love, love having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for always having me. I enjoy being here. Yes, definitely. Well, thank you to everybody else that's listening. if you're listening, obviously you're listening. Um, I appreciate you tuning in. Um, I see everybody tuning in from all different parts of the world, which is really, really exciting. So wherever you are, thank you so much for tuning in. If you're not following uh, Black Girls Have Anxiety 2 on Instagram, um, go ahead and give us the follow. Follow. It's literally at Black Girls Have Anxiety 2. It's super easy. Um, give us a follow there. If you want to reach out to Dr. Stevens, her information will be in the description. Um, yeah, hopefully you guys continue to tune in and um, we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety 2. No matter where you are in the world, I really appreciate your support. See you again on the next episode, but until then, follow us on Instagram at Black Girls Have Anxiety 2 and on Twitter at Anxious Black Girls. That's Anxious BLK Girls. And remember, just because you're struggling doesn't mean you have to struggle in silence. The more we talk about it, the more we heal. <laughs>